And welcome to Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. He is Paul Dettino. I'm Lance Meadow. With you for the next 60 minutes, 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. It has finally arrived. Yes! Dettino yes! got up yes! at 2.45 this morning. There's according a to game reports. tonight! <laughs> yes, finally got a preseason game. Browns-Giants, we're going to get you set for that game. You can tell the man to my left is extremely amped up. I don't know if you're as amped up as he is, but Impossible. we'll certainly try to make comparisons throughout the course of the program. We'll get to your phone calls. We'll get to your tweets. So this is the first opportunity for this team to get out there in an unscripted environment, and I think that's the big key. A lot of the things they go through practice, they're prepared for. They have a heads Correct. up about. But, Paul, this is the first opportunity. It's not so much going up against another opponent. It's just being in the midst of issues that may come up in the regular season so that you can test yourself and prepare yourself and also learn from mistakes. Well, from a philosophical perspective, Coach Pat Shermer actually wants to see the Browns throw the kitchen sink at the Giants, both offensively and defensively, because let's face it, as he says, you can only learn from your experiences and your mistakes. And it's actually good, you know, from a coaching perspective, if the Giants face a lot of new stuff that they haven't seen before, that confuses them, that causes them problems, because then they've got time before the regular season to clean that stuff up. Well, and I also think you want to see if a player makes a mistake, Paul, how does that player bounce back? Absolutely. How does that player react to a mistake, a drop pass, a missed assignment? I think it's more important to see mentally where the player is under those circumstances as opposed to seeing a guy go out there, grab 10 catches for 100 yards. Well, you know, they opened the preseason tonight against the Cleveland Browns here at MetLife Stadium, 7 o'clock kickoff, by the way, and... It's their first chance now to go up against another jersey, another helmet, an opponent you know that they haven't gotten familiar with over the course of the last two and a half weeks. And the one thing that we have seen is that this coaching staff has been very good at mentoring and teaching the guys through the practice sessions. Coach Shermer said, when a guy makes a mistake, I immediately have myself or an assistant, a position coach, a veteran player, Go over to that younger player and correct it. He doesn't wait for the end of the day. He doesn't wait for the film stuff to come in, you know, by dinner time or whenever they're going to review things. He says the time to do those corrections is right away on the field. And they've been doing that throughout the course of training camp. And everything I've heard about the young players on this roster is that they have all been receptive to that style of coaching and that they've all been pretty darn good about listening and correcting without making the same mistake over and over and over again, which to me is always a big red flag if you're a coach because that means either you didn't teach it right or the player's not picking it up. Well, speaking of young players, Paul, let's get into some of the battles to watch tonight, some of the players to watch, especially since it's the first opportunity game situation. I think it goes without saying you want to see what the rookie class can do, and they're going to have an opportunity to see five of the six members because R.J. McIntosh is obviously still on the non-active reserve list. But in terms of the rookie class, to me, while everybody obviously is going to say, hey, Saquon Barkley, Saquon Barkley, I'm most interested in seeing Lorenzo Carter because this is a big opportunity for him to show what he could do in the pass rush, and he has an opportunity in year one to make a significant impact on this defensive line given the rotations that they're going to want to showcase this year. I appreciate that sentiment, 
but Carter's going to be in the linebacker rotation and probably in that second rotation. He's not going to start, I don't think. I would suspect Kareem Martin is going to start ahead of him. And so Carter's going to be probably going up against the Browns' second string. For that reason, I'm going to tell you I'm more curious about Will Hernandez, who's going to go up against the Browns' first-string defensive line, and B.J. Hill, who we expect to start at uh, uh, the left end spot for this new 3-4 defense. With Dalvin Tomlinson on the other end. Yeah. B.J. is going to be going up against Petonio and Corbett, two of the younger offensive linemen that the Browns really have a lot of high hopes for, especially Petonio. I mean, he's been around a couple of years, but oh, they like him a lot. They like line. him a lot. Yeah. So for me, watching B.J. Hill work against those guys is of more consequence or, or more of a, of a litmus test, if you will, than watching Lorenzo Carter work probably against the Browns' second string. Well, I'm just looking at it from the perspective of going up against offensive linemen. He has not battled during the course of practice. And that's fair. New and look, personnel. It's, it's still important. But, again, for me... The two rookies, and probably Saquon Barkley, let's put the third rookie in that equation, those guys are going to go up against probably some of the Browns' starters, which is more indicative, I think, of what you might want to see. That's all. There's maybe more value in that. And I get that. I still think it's possible that James Betcher may want to rotate a few guys in against the first-team offensive line for the Cleveland Browns. He could. For example, it would not surprise me if Connor Barwin and Lorenzo Carter get some looks. Maybe not very early on, but as they start to mix and match some first-teamers, second-teamers, I could see both of those guys get some reps. They'll get some, I'm sure that they the will get yeah. some. And, and, and Barwin, of course, has done nothing but impress these coaches with his professionalism and with his football acumen. I mean, Lance, we watch him out here at practice. I get it. He's been in the league a long time. You know, he's, he's, he's a gray beard, if you, if you will. He's certainly <laughs> the, the, one of the grandpas on this defense, if not this roster. But, but. When you watch this guy coming off the edge, it's not about his explosiveness. It's not about his speed. It's about his smarts. He is incredibly savvy, and he has a toolbox full of moves that can baffle any young player in this league. Now, sure, there are going to be guys he's going to have a difficult matchup against because they're just too big, too strong, too physical, and maybe they're veterans who have as much savvy as he does. So maybe that matchup's a tough one for him. But against most young guys, they have seen a small percentage of the kinds of things that he can do to them off the edge. I'm going to be honest with you. I wasn't, like, jumping for joy when they signed him. I was like, okay, good signing. Five sacks last year. Edge to the depth at linebacker. They could use him. Veteran leadership. Nice. I thought it was a good signing. As of right now, of course, I could change my mind over the next few weeks. I think it's a very good signing. I think he could be a really important part 
of this team. I'm with you. I, I think whatever you can add a player with his resume this late in the season, now I understand that most teams are going to wait to bring in veterans like that because it's not like they were missing a ton of action if they weren't here for the spring. Plus, he knows the scheme because he's been with, obviously, Bill McGovern, the linebackers coach in Philadelphia, and then he obviously has ties to Pat Shermer, even though he's not an offensive player. So I'm with you. I mean, I think it was a great value signing for the timing in which it Especially occurred. for the timing. Yeah, and I think it could very well be icing on the cake. You mentioned he had five sacks last season. I'll take it a step further, Paul. He's had five sacks, at least five sacks, in six of the last seven seasons. That's a sign of consistency. Mm -hmm. His numbers haven't necessarily fluctuated. You know you have Connor Barwin on your roster. You're probably going to be good to get at least five sacks out of him. Yeah, he's not a double-digit sack guy, I don't think, at this point in his career. But if he gets anywhere between five and eight, he is of use to this team. Absolutely, especially since one of the things we talked about when they traded JPP and then Olivier Vernon was really the only leftover veteran with a polished resume. I mean, there's a lot of unproven commodities in this rotation. There's potential. There's upside, Paul. Don't get me wrong. But there's not a great deal of sacks in terms of, hey, this guy goes out there, he gets six or seven a season. You know what's funny, too? And I mentioned leadership earlier when we were discussing him moments ago. But much how Loletta and Webb have gravitated to Eli Manning, Lorenzo Carter has gravitated he to has. Connor Brown. yep. Like best friends almost. Yeah. yeah. Very attracted to one another immediately. He's been a sponge. And if Barwin can start teaching Carter some of those moves with Carter's athleticism, he could be really dangerous. Well, but I would even say some of these other young players could benefit from Connor Barwin, too. I mean, we clearly see a connection between Carter and Barwin, but, you know, the Romeo Aquaras of the world, all these I'll young give you guys. another guy, and, we, you know, we don't talk about this guy enough, and I, I apologize to him. Avery Moss. Yeah. Another I guy. apologize to Avery Moss for not talking about him more because in one-on-ones on pass rush drills here at training camp, he has done a very nice job. He has... Uh, very good length, okay? He's strong and powerful, n quick enough, but he has length, and the length is giving guys trouble in those one-on-one -on -one drills in the trenches. And I, I, I really like Avery Moss's upside. I still think he's raw because basically he lost last year yeah, because of injury. It was a redshirt year. Right. So he's raw. And I don't know exactly where his upside lies, but I think he's got a lot of upside. And I just hope that he's able to hone his craft. And having a guy like Connor Barwin around will help him do that. I don't know how quick it's going to come. I don't know how high it's going to be. But I think Avery Moss has a potential impact career here. I really do. I, I Yeah, he's, he's a rare athlete. He really is. Again, not from a speed perspective, but the power, the length, and, and boy, he, he gets after it. When, when the ball is snapped, he's got a motor. Well, that's why I said Romeo Aquara and Avery Moss, you know, this is a big offseason slash preseason for them because they realize, listen, with the question marks and the depth chart and the unproven commodities, you know, they have an opportunity. If they do some damage, they could be oh, a yes. critical player in the rotation. There's no season. question. There's so no question. Those are the two guys that I, I think certainly jump off the top of the list that you want to see productivity out of during the course of the preseason, given the fact that limited reps in the last few seasons, and now there's an opportunity for them to really carve out a significant role because, you know, it's almost like 
Kerry Wynn, Avery Moss, Romeo Quar, these guys have been around, and we don't necessarily talk about them in great deal because they provided the extra layer of the depth chart. Right. Now, the extra layer of the depth chart, Paul, is moving up the ladder this season. Well, when your team improves and your team gets better, there is a domino effect. Suddenly, those guys who are on the back of the depth chart are getting pushed because either they will get better or they won't be on your team anymore going to be a drastic change in terms of who's fighting for those back-end spots. And speaking of the competition, before we open up the phone lines, the secondary, the safety spot opposite Landon Collins and the nickel corner, I think those are two positions also that you have to keep close tabs on tonight. The coaches have talked about it time and time again. They're throwing a lot of people out there and they're waiting for somebody to step up. Now that the games will begin tonight, this is the first real opportunity to see if somebody can separate themselves from the pack. The bad news, Dante Dion, who started out camp really well in the nickel spot, has got the bad hamstring. He's been out for a week and a half. Uh, you know, so he'll be scratched tonight, I'm sure. And that means, uh, you know, he can't compete, at least through game one. Uh, it also means that um, Booby Miles, Curtis Riley, yeah. who has been nicked up for the last week and has not participated in practice. Again, very unlikely he'll play tonight and he misses out on another opportunity. With that being said, though, B.W. Webb, who's very much in the mix at the nickel spot, mm -hmm. a big opportunity for him. And then, okay, Riley banged up, but if you're Darian Thompson, if you're Andrew Adams, and you're Michael Thomas, who have all got an opportunity with the first team, you're saying, okay, hey, one of my teammates is down, maybe get some extra reps tonight. This is an opportunity for me to stand out because the one thing that jumped out to me from James Betcher's press conference, Paul, earlier this week, he was asked about where he sees the most competition. Nickel corner and safety came up. But then the follow-up question was, okay, has anyone stood out from the rest of the group? His answer was, Paul, everybody's bunched together right now. Nobody mm -hmm. has separated mm -hmm. themselves from the pack. So if I'm a player that's getting in a game tonight, hey, here's my opportunity to step out from the rest of the pack. Without question. And the most important thing is the coaches have reiterated the last couple of days, it's all about making sure you get your communication down and your assignments down. Mental errors, okay, mental errors are going to cost you demerits. There is no question. You know, if you make a physical error, it's going to happen sometimes. I don't ever want to say that the coaches will excuse that, but they'll swallow that a lot better than you making a mental error. If you're in the wrong place or you botched the coverage and you busted one and let somebody open 30 yards downfield, that's not going to be taken too well, okay? That's just not going to yeah. go over very well. So in any event, we should tell people how they can keep track of the game tonight. Correct. Fans in the local market can watch the game live for free by visiting Giants.com at kickoff. So that'll be a nice luxury. But remember, that's only for fans in the local market. If you're outside of the local market, the good news is the game is being simulcast on NFL Network tonight in addition to WNBC in the local New York metropolitan area. So really, any which way you look at it between Giants.com and national television, you'll have an opportunity to watch the game. Plus, we're going to have our full radio broadcast on WCBS 880 AM. We're going to have our pregame show start at 6.05, and then we'll have a full postgame show for an hour following the game with locker room reaction. So no matter what outlet you choose, whether it be television, radio, we will have you covered for the first preseason game. And then the other thing that's going to be interesting for this game, Paul, for those of you who have followed Hard Knocks, HBO show, yes. they're following the Browns. So the next episode, not saying that they're going to get up close and personal with the Giants, but you'll probably have a different perspective of maybe what you don't see on television from the game broadcast through the lens of HBO 
next week when they have episode two. Well, remember, Baker Mayfield, the number one Huge pick in the draft, yeah. okay, taking one slot ahead of the giant Saquon Barkley at number two, uh, is the reason, quite frankly, that NFL Network is picking up the game. It's picks one against pick two. Well, and then Denzel Ward, too. You know, that's true. pick as well. Exactly. He got three. So there, there's a lot of national hype about this game for a preseason affair, and you're right. Baker Mayfield is supposed to play a lot, according to the Cleveland media. I don't know what that means. Does that mean two quarters? Does that mean into the second quarter? Does that mean into the third quarter? I don't know what that means. Apparently, Hugh Jackson just said he was going to play a lot in this game tonight. So you know there'll be a lot of focus on him. I'm sure Hard Knocks will do a lot on him next week. Indeed. And uh, I'm sure that the Giants are, are looking forward to facing a guy who has been much heralded, and obviously the Browns are going to give him their starting job. And a good test because Baker Mayfield's a mobile quarterback. So that should no give question. the defense a variety of looks with the type of quarterback, by the way, that they're going to see in the first three weeks of the season. It means you are going to have to be disciplined yep. in terms of containing the pocket, and if he does break it, how good will the pursuit be? And... And how sticky will the secondary be in those instances? Blake Bortles, Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson. First three weeks of the regular season. They move. They got feet. Absolutely. That's why <laughs> it's better to be tested earlier than later. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. Let's open up the phone lines. Your thoughts on the first preseason game. Anything else you want to delve into? Giants related. Coach Marvin's on the line in Delaware. Coach Marvin, what's happening? How you doing, Lance and Paul? Doing hey, well. Coach. Great to have you on the show today. I'm glad to be on the show today. Uh, you and Lance both are on top of your game today as normal. So <laughs> Thank you that. so much. I did on all the points that I planned on what I was going to call about. Uh, this first game is uh, going to be a pretty good test for this team, and I think it's because of hard knocks. If you looked at Cleveland, they're trying to change the environment especially with people like Landry on their team. They're trying to change that environment and change from losing environment to a winning environment. And I think they're going to take this game in that manner. They're going to come and try to play that way. Um, so it's a good test for them tonight. Um, but the things, I, everything you said is right on point at what we want to watch as far as the team. But my top three things I want to see, I want to see the offensive line, I think, if the offensive line is playing well, I think whatever Barkley does, is he's going to do. So Barkley's not really the one I'm concerned about, more the offensive line on how they play. Well, uh, they feed the off second, of one another. Yeah, absolutely. Go, go ahead with right. your second one. Uh, the, the, the second thing I was looking at is uh, I'm with uh, Lance on this one with um, Lorenzo Carter. Um, I, I, I think we need to see him, even if it's with their second team, just to see how he comes off the ball and how he attacks the quarterback because they're going to have uh, um, Baker Mayfield playing. Yeah. And Baker Mayfield, I believe, is going to come into this game with all guns flaring like he's in a playoff game. So I think that's why it's going to be an important game for them because they're going to play it like a regular season game. And I think Mayfield is the guy that's going to come out and try to give 125% tonight, which is where I get to my third point is the secondary after Eli Apple and Jenkins. How are these other guys going to play if Mayfield is playing like he plays in college, where he's uh, trying to break the defense down and running around? How is the secondary going to play in mm -hmm. those uh, situations? So it's a good test for us tonight. 
Looking yeah, forward absolutely. to it. Absolutely. And appreciate the phone call, Coach Marvin. Thanks so much for weighing in. And what he was touching on, Paul, Dante Dion dealing with the hamstring injury, I brought up B.W. Webb because if you look at the unofficial depth chart, and it's unofficial, got to stress that, behind Eli Apple and Janoris Jenkins, Dion and Webb are the two immediate backups. Right. So you figure B.W. Webb probably would be in line to maybe have his first shot at that slot corner position if Dion is too banged up and can't play. But... Then there's the Grant Haley's of the world. You know, the other well, thing you got to uh, keep in mind. Leonard Johnson. Leonard Johnson, who was just added. William, the former William Buffalo Gay Bill. has William been nicked Gay. up, so I'm not sure. I, I yeah. think it's unlikely he would go because he's missed the last few practices. Well, and that's why I'm bringing up the Grant Haley's of the world. Yeah. Uh, Chris Lewis Harris is another player to watch out for. Made some plays in the last he week. He has in practice. So, you know, those are the players that you're probably going to have an opportunity to look at who will have an opportunity to get in there to play that nickel corner and probably be utilized on the outside once Jenkins and Apple come out of the game. I'll give you guys a little bit of uh, insight in terms of the offensive line and the starters on offense and also Saquon Barkley. I did a little research. Pat Shermer, when he was the offensive coordinator of the Vikings last year, again, not the head coach, but he was the offensive coordinator. That was a team that had a rebuilt offensive line, like what the Giants have, and had a number one draft choice at running back in Dalvin Cook. Just FYI, the first unit for the Vikings on offense last year, again, similar situation to what the Giants have. So he's had experience, has Shermer, under these conditions. They played three offensive series, 13 snaps, most of them, which took them actually through the first quarter. Dalvin Cook himself played into the second quarter. I think he got 18 or 19 snaps. Cook had five carries and four receptions, nine touches, and a little bit more than one quarter of action. That was last year's Vikings offense and how they managed their line and Cook. Again, I only throw that out to you because Shermer was the OC, and now he's head coach of the Giants. Potentially, I could see him doing something along those lines tonight. I could see them keeping him in perhaps maybe a little past the first tier of starters. I think that's possible, that maybe he gets a little bit more to your point about Dalvin Cook, how he stepped in and stayed a little bit after for the another possession snaps another possession for the first tier starter. So into maybe the second Barkley quarter. stays in with Davis Webb for one or two plays. I don't think that would be if, crazy if he starts. Say. We don't even know if he's going to start. Of course, yeah. I mean, we don't know what the rotation is going to be, but I could see them keeping him in just for the sake of you know giving him an opportunity to see a little bit more work. The usual mo for for coaches uh, around the league is twelve to fifteen or so snaps for the starters. Often they won't go past two possessions. You know, again, it depends on how many snaps you get per possession. But those are usually the general numbers that people like to throw around when they talk about their starters. I would mention, however, the other day, Coach Shermer said that he will give consideration to each and every player on this team in terms of how many snaps they need and how much work they need to get ready for the regular season opener against Jacksonville. So he himself is leaving some leeway there to make, you know, decisions about individual players well, you have to, to where, you know, he, he, he may just go by feel yeah. and decide, you know what, I don't think I need to get this guy in the game. I mean, to think that every player follows the same exact script is ridiculous. Yeah. Because there's clearly, there's veterans right now 
that you say, okay, this is not their first rodeo. This is maybe their eighth rodeo, their oh, tenth rodeo. Eli Manning doesn't need Eli a ton Manning. of snaps. Correct. Well, that was going to be my point. I Fifteenth <laughs> rodeo, if you want to take it that far. And you figure, okay, listen, Eli goes in for a series or two. It's fine. Right. But there are some other veterans who may have been hurt in years past or are young guys who, like Avery Moss, barely played. And you may want to see a little bit more of them. Well, Just it's because why of the limited range. I've I've felt all along you'll see a ton of Davis Webb tonight. In in my estimation, I would not at all be surprised if he plays two full quarters. I really wouldn't, because I would expect that to happen. They need to see him in game scenarios. Well, and here's a good comparison to look at. And granted, it's a new coaching staff and a new scheme, but remember, Geno Smith started the first preseason game last year. Eli didn't even play, and Geno played in all the way. I looked this up. Paul, he played in deep into the I know, third quarter. I know. So I know. Now, no. The reason I bring that up is Davis Webb is now Geno Smith this year in terms of the depth. In chart. effect. So, although they have not officially named him the number two, it's pretty clear that 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 position is his. Correct, and that's simply based on workload and correct. reps in practice. Correct. That's obviously what. We're and the way that they've on. configured their draft as well. Exactly. So my point is, okay, Davis Webb coming in as the number two to this game. I could see him getting by far more reps than any other quarterback. I don't now, think there's any question. There are four quarterbacks on the roster. There is Kyle Oletta, who was drafted this year, and Alex Taney. But I still think they probably want to see Davis Webb much more so than any other quarterback. I would point. totally concur. Let's open up the phone lines once again. 201-939-4513. Terrell's in Atlanta. Terrell, what's happening? How are we doing, How Terrell? Doing, Hi. Doing good. What do you got for us? Uh, I got two questions. I can take both of them off the air. Sure. Uh, the first one is, when we play Dallas and Houston, are we going to stay in the Texas area? Are we going to fly back? And the second one, can you rank the left tackles in our division one through four, please? You want us to rank the starting left tackles in the NFC East, and the other question was, is the team going to stay in Texas between the Dallas and the Texans game, correct? I'll take that quickly. Okay. No, as far as, I'm con- as far as I know, there are no plans to stay for the week in Texas between weeks two and three. Okay. And appreciate the phone call. In, in terms of the starting left tackles. Well, he's talking NFC about East. Solder. He's talking about uh, Williams. He's talking about uh, Smith. And he's talking about, uh, who am I leaving off? Oh, the Jason Peters. 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 Well, yeah. he, you know, with all the injuries he's had, sometimes it's easy to well, forget him. Well, and he <laughs> missed a good bulk of last season. Sure did. Went down. So you're talking about a division, first of all, that has an established veteran at left tackle for all four teams. Solder, Smith, Williams and Peters. I mean, we're talking about these guys are polished veterans. We're not talking about anybody who's young and an unproven commodity. Is it true I think all three of the others besides Solder have been to the Pro Bowl? Tyron Smith, I know, has been to the Pro Bowl. I would say Peters I has. believe Peters I believe Trent, Williams Trent has, Williams too. Williams has definitely been to them. I'll look it up just to co- confirm. Again, Pro Bowl is a very... No, but vague I'm just bringing it up as a gauge. major comparison. Yeah, it's, a, it's a vague gauge because that. we all know that, that you know sometimes you'll get six guys who bail out and all of a sudden the seventh guy gets to go to the Pro Bowl. I'm pretty sure all three of those guys well, have gone. Solder has never gone. Trent is a six-time Pro Bowler. Jason Peters is a nine-time Pro Bowler, well, just to yeah. give you an idea. And then Tyron Smith, in terms of how many times he's, he's gone probably to the gone Pro about Bowl, three or four. In comparison, Tyron Smith has gone five. Okay. So he has the least amount, okay. but those two guys have been in the league longer. Okay, so if you strictly want to go off resume 
and forget about age and forget about injuries. I mean, soldiers played now eight years. Yeah. And only the one year, about what, three years ago, he played only four games because he was banged up. He was hurt, correct. Other than that, he has been a workhorse at the position. Been a consistent presence there. So, And there's you, been years where the Patriots have not had a stable offensive line. Correct. And he's usually been the anchor. Yet, yet, Peters has had significant injury problems over the course of his career. Yep. Williams has had some significant injury troubles as well. Tyron Smith, not as much. Not as much. But I think it But Sold is probably the healthiest of the four. I will give you that, but if you're going to ask me this question and all four are going in healthy, I would rate them assuming full health for all four, regardless of the track record. I think that's the fair way to look at it. Personally, I would put Tyron Smith number one. I think he is the best left tackle of those four. You probably would have to agree with that. I think yeah. he would be number one. I'd agree. I would lean towards Trent Williams, number two. I mean, that guy has also been a very consistent anchor. And then, uh, to I'm me, inclined to agree with you on him too. To me, then I think it really becomes a flip of the coin. Yeah, between, Peters, between Peters has been Solder. so That's badly beaten it. up, and he's been in the league longer than Solder has as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know at this point in their careers, you know, that you would automatically say, well, based on Peter's resume, certainly you'd pick him over Solder. But right now, today, I don't know that I would. Well, especially since he's coming off a significant, significant injury. Yes. See, Smith and Williams have been banged up. They're not coming off a significant injury. Not right so now. So that's why not right if, now. if you want to go back and forth with Solder and Peters, I'll give you that. I don't think that's crazy. But in my opinion, I think between the resume and what they have produced season in, season out, Tyron Smith and Trent Williams I would put ahead of Nate Solder at this yeah. point. And I don't think that's a stretch. And no. I don't think that's crazy. That's that's and again, that's not a knock on Solder no, because not at we all know that Solder is a very capable and quality left tackle. Well, and I think also from just having this conversation, and this is not a conversation that I actually even was thinking about. I think it's a very good question and appreciate sure the it question. Is. It just goes to show you now that you look at other divisions, I mean the NFC East it's unbelievable the experience at the left tackle position compared to what other divisions are working with, Paul. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about Pro Bowl players. Well, you're talking about veteran players, and you're talking about players with a great deal of experience in truth, that position. Three of those teams have had those kinds of guys at that spot. In fact, those specific guys for several years. It's only the Giants who, the who have lagged yeah. behind in getting that type of quality at the position. Absolutely. They finally rectified it by opening up their wallets for Solder. Well, and that's another reason, by the way. I think you brought up an excellent point. It's another reason why I would probably lean towards Peters 3, Solder 4, only because those three other guys, we know who they're playing next to for the most part. We know the scheme, whereas Solder, it's a new scheme. It's a new teammate to the next, mm -hmm. <laughs> right next to him, and it's a rookie, by the way, playing next to him as well. So when you take all that into consideration, there's a little bit show me that you want to see with him as opposed to the three other players. I'll tell you what. Yeah. Two years, if not sooner. You'll be saying Hog Molly Hernandez is the best left guard in this oh, division. And that would not surprise me. Maybe in the conference and maybe in the league. But like anything else, if we're going to be he true. He needs time. If we're going to be true with rankings. He needs time. The one thing I will say when it comes to rankings, I don't believe in crowning players before right. they actually get out there. Get out there and do it. Show me. Let's go. Let's head back to the phone lines as we move along here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Zach is in Brooklyn. Nope, we lost Zach. All right, how about Brian in New York? Brian, what's happening? Hey, guys. Uh, can't wait to watch the game tonight. It's going to be a good one. Absolutely. Um, I was just wondering. Um, i just seen that they they signed a new safety, Mike Mike Basile. From Basil. Monmouth University. Local product. 
Yeah. Um, like, I'd like to know what that means. Do, do they not like their options uh, across from land and No, it, mean, it means that, that Teddy Williams, the former Panther, had personal issues, asked to be released from the roster, so he was subtracted from the 90. They had an open spot. It was in the secondary. And so they signed, uh, I believe it's, it's Bas- Bas- Basile. I believe that's how he pronounces it, uh, the Mammoth kid. And, um, you know, he had some very productive seasons at the FCS level. And obviously, when a safety has those kind of numbers in college, you know he's probably going to be a good special teams player if he gets a chance in the NFL. So they may be looking at him, you know, I would think, more from a special teams perspective than safety perspective. But you know what? For all I know, because we haven't had a chance to talk to him yet. I mean, he just got he just here. Joined the team, yeah. For all I know, maybe they, they think of him as, oh, you know what? Maybe he's a project. Maybe, maybe he's the kind of guy they want to take a look at. And maybe he's practice squad material. Yeah. He doesn't necessarily have to be 53 material because you've you got 90 guys on this team. Not everybody's going to make it. Well, and Pat Shermer said real quickly, and we'll let you continue, Brian. Shermer said the goal is he wants all 90 guys to get some work, whether it be practice yes. squads, elsewhere, mm-hmm. you name it. So that's how he's having his outlook, and that's what he's preaching to the rest of the team. But, you know, as far as Mike goes, he just joined the team. He has yet to learn the scheme. So it's a lot of catch-up that he has to play before, you know, he's at the same level as some of the other players in the secondary. Go ahead, Brian. Have you ever seen him drop down the slot corner? Is that something you see him do in college? I have not watched any Mammoth tape. <laughs> and I can't say that I have either. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, they and, used to be in my I conference, the NEC, one, years ago, but not now. Before sure. you let me go? Yeah. Um, I, know, I, I know you guys get beat up with this all the time, but with the whole Odell Beckham contract situation, um, I know the media puts their own spin on it and whatnot, but um, saying he's... Uh, the Giants are projecting him worth less than Sammy Watkins. It's it's no it's no secret that Sammy Watkins got overpaid. All right, he's not worth sixteen million a year. He's not. He's not. He's no Odell Beckham. Here's what I'm going to do for you, Brian. I'm gonna I'm gonna paraphrase what John Mara said several weeks ago when training camp opened. He said we want Odell Beckham Jr. to be a long-term Giant. And we pretty much know the area of value that his contract is going to fall in. I mean, there's well, nothing else you need to say about this. And whatever rumors, sources, or innuendo you see on the internet or hear through the airwaves is, is a bunch of hot air. It's, it's unnecessary, and it does nothing to further the Giants' talks with Odell Beckham Jr. Well, and here's the other, yeah. thing, I, here's the other thing I will add, Brian, with respect to what Paul said. That report that you're referencing was made by ESPN. If you look closely, there was another report from the NFL Network that completely conflicted with that ESPN report in terms of the tone of the negotiations. So when you have conflicting reports out there, you don't really know what to put a lot of stock and substance behind. That's another reason to not necessarily buy everything you read online. Oh, okay. Well, I I I just know all these... All these guys are getting overpaid. All of them. There's no way Stefan Diggs not even making a Pro Bowl. You know, his earned what he got. Well, all of them are getting overpaid. I'm just, I don't want there to be, like, sour grapes about this this kid. He's good. He's very good. He's a Hall of Famer if he keeps this up. 
All right, thanks for the thanks for the phone call. We we got it. We got to run. Take care. Our lines are just going crazy. It's like a Christmas tree over there. Absolutely. And listen, as far as players getting overpaid, listen, it's all about what the team values the player for. That's what it comes down to. And I mean, personally, Stephon Diggs, I think, has been a really productive player. If I'm Minnesota, I don't think I'm hesitant. It's a pointless conversation. Yeah. Guys know how I feel. You know, I think the quarterback should have their own salary cap, but that's just a a league-wide impression that I have because I do think they take up too much of a team's cap number. But, you know, I personally don't enjoy talking about contracts because it doesn't really do anything for me. It's not my money. I have no control over the cap. I'm more interested in the X's and O's and the players out there and the matchups that we're going to see and who needs to make the roster. Let, right. let the bankers worry about the money. Absolutely. Well, that's why they have experts within the front office that know the cap backwards and forwards. Let's head back to the phone lines. Let's go to Scott in New Mexico. Scott, what's happening? Good afternoon, guys. How are you doing? Hi, Hi Scott. What do you got for us? Uh, you've talked about offense and defense. I was just curious. Uh, are there special teams positions to be won tonight? Yes. And, uh, I was uh, specifically talking about maybe uh, what Eldrick Rosas does tonight, and if he doesn't do well, would that be the death knell for him, or are the Giants not looking that in that direction, hoping he's going to have a good game? First of all, uh, Coach Shermer made it very clear, I think it was two days ago in his presser, when he said there will be guys on this team who are really going to uh, – make their mark on special teams. They may not even play on first, second, or third down. He calls them fourth down players. He actually gave them a title, fourth down players, because they are of significance on special teams. So, yes, there are going to be spots on specials. I don't know how many, but he's going to pay mind to them. That's first. Second, Aldra Grossos, according to the coach, has improved his mechanics throughout the offseason. I've talked to Aldrich. He seems mentally to be in a much better place. He's kicking the ball well here at training camp. I think, if you'll pardon the pun, I think he's got a leg up on the job. And I think as long as he's adequate, I don't think they'll be looking to replace him. But do I think he's on thin ice? Look, you made 75% of your field goals last year. That's not what this league wants to see. So I don't think he's got a ton of room for error. But I do think that he's probably going to win the job. Okay. Uh, my second question, uh, there's a running back, uh, Rob Martin from Rutgers. Yes. I was wondering if he was going to get a lot of playing time tonight because he, I think he did well in training camp, so I was just curious uh, how he's, uh, how much time he might be able to be uh, getting tonight in, well, the words, in, the, in the Cleveland game. I mean, that's the big mystery, I think, guys that are fourth or fifth on the depth chart at their respective positions because, I mean, if I'm the coaching staff and I'm just giving you my personal opinion, Scott, I mean, I would want to see a lot from Wayne Goldman tonight not just right. Saquon Barkley. Wayne is the first guy after Barkley mm-hmm. that I want to see a lot of work out of. Jonathan Stewart, I think, falls in the Eli Manning school of thought. Listen, if you give him a rep or two, fine, but right. you're not pressed where, oh, my God, we have to see what Jonathan Stewart could get. But after Barkley, I would think a lot of the rep should go towards Wayne Goldman, a player that's also still relatively young. You want to give him an opportunity to pass protection. You want to give him an opportunity to catch the ball out of the backfield. I think he would be more of a priority than necessarily some of these other players. That's not to say Robert Martin is not going to play, but I'd be surprised if you see maybe more than perhaps the mid to late fourth quarter from him. You know, for me, it's Rob Martin against Jalen Simmons uh, to be the fourth running back. Whether or not they keep four, 
or they only keep three. Yeah. I don't know the answer to that. I don't think anybody does right now, including Coach Shermer. But but I think the battle for the number four spot comes down to those two guys. I would agree. Okay. Now, if Wayne Gallman plays well to further your point, Lance, uh, is there a possibility he supersedes Jonathan Stewart as the second running back, or do you think they'll still have that pecking order of uh, Barkley, Stewart, and then Gallman? I still think Stewart is probably going to be in that number two vicinity. I mean, Goldman, that doesn't mean that he wouldn't play, but I, I still think that they'll look at Stewart as a specific role, whether it be the goal line, whether it be short yarded situation slash spell Saquon Barkley before Goldman moves up the ladder. I mean, Stewart's got more of a track record no matter what Goldman brings to the table. Yeah, could, could even be in the four-minute attack. If Barkley needs one. a breather, Stewart would obviously be the go-to guy there. Yeah. To me... The fact that Goldman and Stewart bring different skill sets to the table is good for both of them because one guy's probably not going to steal snaps from the other. Goldman, to me, is going to get a lot of the third downs and a lot of the, the passing options out of the Barkley playbook, and Stewart's going to get more between the tackle options out of the Barkley playbook. Yeah, they each be situational backs to spell Saquon Barkley, essentially, when they obviously don't want to get to a point where they give him 20 to 25 carries a game. So that's why I think the true value of them is defined by their roles. Yes. As opposed to, you know, veteran experience slash limited opportunities. Okay. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, just curious. Uh, looking forward to the game tonight. Enjoy. Actually, Scott, appreciate the phone call. The one thing I wanted to add about the special teams aspect of what Scott was bringing up, Pat Shermer also emphasized if there's players on this team that are strictly fourth down players, he would not hesitate giving them a roster spot. If oh, that's they have a chance. only the area that they're going to contribute. You know, normally we look for a player that gives you a little on offense, defense, and special teams. If he feels they're a solid special teams player, they could still very well earn a role on the 53. Like I said, he gave them that specific name, fourth down players. These are guys who overwhelmingly contribute on specials and may only do other small things elsewhere. To give those guys a name, to give that cluster or that grouping a special name, that tells you he has quite an affection for what they can do. Let's head back to the phone lines. Turning point to the program, Charlie is in Maine. Charlie, what's happening? <laughs> hey, Paul. Hey, hey Charlie. Yes. How we doing? Hey, you know what I'm going to be watching tonight? Oh, we know exactly I'm... what you're going to be watching. <laughs> you don't even have to watching... call in to tell us that. <laughs> I'm going to be watching number 74 to see if he had any technique on the right side. And I'm also going to be watching all the, the other backup tackles that we have to see if they can play at all. And on defense, I'm going to be watching number 24, Mr. Eli Apple, if, I, if he can get his head turned around. And then I'm going to be watching for that safety position next to Collins, Mm-hmm. who is going to, yep. you know, uh, branch out and finally take the spot. Because when Betcher's saying they're all bunched together, that is like, that's not good. Because that's saying they're either all mediocre together or they're all okay, but nobody has come out to say, yeah, this is the guy, this is the guy that we're going to have. So those are, those are the areas that I'm going to be really watching tonight, especially well, the old line people. You know what, Charlie? I don't know if the Browns are planning to flip uh, Garrett and Ogba, but these are two guys who can get after the quarterback off of the edge, and Carl Nassib, of course, is their yep. third pass-rushing defensive end. So it will be interesting to see not only how does Flowers do, but how many times he's matched up specifically against Garrett, who has commanded a tremendous amount of respect uh, joining this Brown squad. 
Exactly. So it's going to be interesting uh, for me to see if uh, Flowers... I, I, I'll i say one thing. Flowers' attitude is better. Yes. But that doesn't mean his physicality and his technique and how he's going to play is going to be better. Can I tell you something, but, Charlie? I don't know if we had this conversation earlier when training camp began, but I know for a fact, because I asked about it, he came in at exactly the prescribed weight and conditioning measurements that they asked him to. And I said, you know, isn't that odd? Because uh, he missed minicamp, as you know, and there were a lot of reports, again, reports, I put that in quotes, that maybe he wasn't so happy with being moved to the right side and he was staying home. Well, right. here's the thing. You can't fool the science. And the science says he was on weight and his measurables and conditioning was on track which meant he must have been busting his butt all off season because the the the, the uh, medics here will tell you you know if you didn't do that it will show up because those months of in the off season that you're sitting on the sofa and you're eating potato chips or you're just not going out and working out and doing everything you're supposed to do it will show up when they give you those tests he came in and everything was exactly where it was supposed to be so I, I further asked, well, do you know specifically what it was that he did? And they said, no, you know, he, he wasn't here. We know he wasn't around. But we know with total confidence, based on the science and the measurements, he had to be working hard because you can't fool the numbers. No, I, I, like I said, I think his mentality is better. Uh, the thing is, is like when, you know, he's going out to dinner and the offensive line, they're all hanging out together, and which is great, but technique is only going to help them picking up the fork, spoon, and the knife. It doesn't mean going out to dinner together and hanging out together is going to turn into technique in a game. So I, that's why I want to see if he's going to be ducking his head, grabbing people, saying ole as the guy runs by him. Charlie, and do me one favor, please. Do me one favor. It's yep. one preseason game. I really don't want to hear you calling up Monday morning if Flowers struggled some and basically tried to throw him into the Hudson River. It's one preseason game. I think we've given him enough time. No, 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 no. Hold on. It's one preseason game at a new position. I I want you to do me a favor. If you're going to call when I'm on this show again, do (laughs) not grade Flowers until the four preseason games are done. Then I'll be glad to talk about him. But I am not going to talk to you about him until the All four right. preseason games are over. That's the polite way All of right. Paul saying when he's on this show, do not call in, Charlie. Okay? No, he's welcome to call. You call me about somebody else, Charlie. But I'm not getting into this until I see the four games. Right, okay. Well, Charlie, th- this is what this. I will say, yeah, Charlie. I, I agree has- with you, Charlie. I agree with you okay. that talk is cheap. And it all comes down to what he does in the games. I don't disagree. No with question. You. I mean, we could tell you, you know, no guy question. looks good, mentally he's there. I mean, this goes for any player. This is not just Eric Flowers. Everybody could talk a great game. When you get on the field is when you separate the men from the, the boys. The shame of it is with all the prep work that he did before last season, it did not translate to the appropriate level that it should have. That's the shame of it. So, Charlie... Yeah. Look, I got a big question mark right now next to his name because I'm not sure yeah. what they're going to get either. Okay? I mean, yeah, I yeah, can't be I any more honest. Yeah, I hear. I, look, hey, if he has a, if he struggles in this game, I won't bash him, but I will say, I'll call up and say we should bring a veteran in to at least be there just in case 
he, you know, flames out. Well, that's all. I, that's I don't think anybody would, would argue with that either, to be honest with you. And by the way, if yeah. Miles Garrett gets him for two sacks, it doesn't necessarily make him, you know, a bad guy. Because Miles Garrett right. can do that to a lot of guys. There's a reason yeah. why he was selected where he was selected. But the, the truth is, Charlie. We should not be hearing from you immediately after the game because I'm looking at the preseason schedule. The amount of games that you have to watch in the next three days so that you could start scouring the waiver wire when these tackles get waived, I, we should not hear from you for at least the next four weeks because you of all people are going to want to know who the Rams are going to get rid of who's sixth or seventh on their depth chart. That's right. And you're the only person that we can go to to provide that type of insight. That's so, right. I mean, Paul, right, we're all man. joking aside, I should not hear from you on this program for the next four weeks. You're going to have enough material to watch until you're hey, blue Lynn, in the face. Hey, tonight in your post-game show, do you take phone calls? Yes, we do take phone calls. Not many, oh, but we, we only, try to get them we, in. We only tonight. take phone calls to people that reside outside of the state of Maine. So I'm, <laughs> uh, it's unfortunate that we're breaking that type of news for Charlie, you. Enjoy Charlie, enjoy the game tonight, okay? Yes, enjoy the game, Charlie. Okay, guys. we got to go. Absolutely. Always a pleasure. Oh, boy. Zach is in New York as we move along here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. How are we doing, Zach? Hey, what's going on, John and Paul? Oh, uh, it's Lance and Paul. Hello. That's strike one. We'll give you a second try. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I tell you, man, we go from Charlie. Listen, following Charlie on this program is not very difficult, people, okay? It's the easiest person to follow, okay? How can you let the ball drop on that oh, one, Oh, boy. Zach? Oh, my goodness. Oh, man. Oh, Jeez. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's man. all right, brother. Go ahead. I, what do you I got? Have two questions. I have two questions for you guys. Behind B.J. Hill, has defensive tackle Christian Sicordi made a splash in training camp? That's my first question. Go ahead. And, and Yeah, what's the second one? And the second question is, which wide receiver has made the most splash in your opinion? Sterling Shepard's the wide receiver who, to me, has had the best camp uh, of those guys in that room. Agreed? No, but in the third spot. I think spot, he's looking more for, spot. yeah, the guys that are battling for, you know, Shepard and Beckham. Oh, in the third fine. spot. Who's the third? Uh, I still believe that Corey Latimer has the inside track to be number three, but the truth of the matter is he doesn't get a lot of balls thrown to him in practice. Um, he does everything they ask him to do. He's also very good blocking for the run. But the bottom line is, if you're asking for who's made the most big plays, the funny part is, of all the other receivers, Khalif Raymond probably has made yeah. more deep, spectacular plays or exciting kinds of plays than any of the other receivers. But he's also going against third and fourth teamers. And several times he's gotten deep for 40-yard bombs against busted coverages where he was the only guy back there and he caught the ball. Well, but you know what? you got to make those plays. You do. No matter who you're going you do. up against. You do. At least but, you catch him. No, but I'm, I'm with you, Paul. I, I think Raymond has stuck out. The other guy is I think Alonzo Russell has stuck out too. Russell Shepard's actually Russell made some Shepard's plays. another one. Every day. Here's yeah. the thing. Every day at camp. One of those guys on the back end of the receiver depth chart usually makes a play or two that makes you feel like, oh, okay, he had a pretty good day. And then the next day, it's one of the other guys. And the next day, it's one of the other guys. And very rarely do you keep writing down the same name day after day after day. Which is why the yeah. games is, to me, what the a- next stage in determining how we separate these guys. And yeah. I will say this, and we'll, we'll let you step in again here, Zach. 
Roger mm-hmm. Lewis, who obviously has much more experience than the rest of the players, in years past, I would say, hey, if you're Roger Lewis, you got to feel good. But this is a new system and a completely new coaching staff. So I don't know if if you're Roger Lewis, you say that you have a significant edge over the rest of the receivers no, at this point. I, you know, I think he's going to have to go in and have some good games. Yeah. And as far as your defensive line question, for me, Kerry Wynn and Josh Morrow are the next guys up in that defensive line rotation uh, uh, being on the end of that, that front. I, you know... <sighs> I just I think there are too many guys that have to that have to be uh, climbed over, uh, you know, for for your guy to be able to make it. Well, and here's the other name that we haven't brought up: AJ Francis. I thought has had a really good case. He's a by big the way. dude, by yeah, the way. Nobody brings up his name, and he's a veteran too. And he's a wide body. Yeah. So have, so yeah, I would I, I would put Zach. His name either, yeah, I, I would Francis. personally. That's a name to watch out for. And then if you want another name, you know, don't forget Robert Thomas is still here too. Yeah, but Thomas is, is probably the favorite to back up snacks. And, and I get that, but I can see that also they're going to move these guys around a little bit too. So I wouldn't rule that out. But A.J. Francis would be the guy that I would look at if you're looking for who's behind the starting group. The thing about Morrow is mm-hmm. he's going to miss the first four games with a suspension, so they are going to have a roster spot to deal with for a month. Yeah. Thanks the, for the call. The only reason, oh, the only reason I asked for Christian Sikorli because he's like the first Albanian player that plays oh, so in the okay. now, now we're getting That's to all the, right. Now hey. we're getting to the meat and potatoes of the phone call. <laughs> and, we finally get to it. I, yes. I can honestly you know? tell you that as I've written my notes at the end of practice every day, I don't really remember writing them down. Right, right. Have right. a good day. Thank you guys so much. All right, Thank Zach, you. Appreciate the phone call. And remember, John's the one with not as much hair on the top of his head the next time you call in. As much? (laughs) Let's head back to the phone lines. Brandon (laughs) is in New York. Brandon, what's happening? Hey, guys. How you doing? Doing well, Brandon. What do you got for us? Uh, No, I was just – I have a a quick question. Um, Actually, two quick questions, one about the defense, one about the offense. Um, my first one, I can go for the defense. Do you guys how how big of an impact do you guys believe Ogletree is going to have on this defense? A ton, flat out, a ton. He will bring the leadership and the intangibles to this defense, much like Antonio Pierce did with Spags' yes. defense when they won the Super Bowl. They're different styles of players. Pierce was a plug between the gaps, between the tackles kind of backer. Okay, Ogletree is a side-to-side chase and and hit linebacker. Different styles, but their intangibles are very similar in terms of how they're going to be the heart and soul of this defense. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I, I see very, very. I see a lot of similarities uh, between those two players. You know, and uh, Antonio Pierce is definitely one of my uh, my favorites. I loved it when the defense was was. How about, I love how the defense was back when Strahan and, and all those guys were there, but now coming back up to the new era and bringing up that um, you know that that era, uh, I can bring my offensive question in. <clears throat> so obviously our running game has been horrible for uh, a few years now. We haven't done much to produce on our running game, but now that we have Saquon Barkley, um, you know that's going to open up the the play action uh, for Eli, and I honestly think Eli was amazing when he had. Those three mm-hmm. running backs opening up that play action. Do you guys believe that we're going to see a lot of play action this year and, and it's going to be different as far as the offense is concerned? I think you see a lot of double tight end. I think your play action will be increased, but, but double tight end I think is going to be the most dramatic change you see on this team. Yeah, and the other thing, remember, play action is all based on 
the success of your running game. You know, it's not a yeah. matter of as if coaches, Brandon, don't want to use play action. The problem is you're not going to fool anybody if you have no establishment to the run because they're not going to bite for it. Mm-hmm. So play action is all based on how successful the Giants established the run game. If Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Stewart, Wayne Goleman all provide enough of an ignition with the run game that the safety's got to come down, they've got to respect mm-hmm. the run, then I think you're going to see some more play action as a result of that. To me, those are synonymous I, with one another. Yeah, and I think they, I think they should go with it I mean, because I don't think that with the, with the wide receiving core that we have and, and you know, having Ingram in there at tight end, the hands that we have are there. It, it looks it looks great, you know. And of course, everybody said it last year, the same thing. And unfortunately, we did fall to some injuries. But with the hands that are back there, and you don't want to single coverage any of these guys, or if you, if you fall for that fake and you come down and you got a wide open receiver out there, it's it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a fun year. Well, there's an overwhelming amount of talent on the offensive side of the ball, at least on paper, and appreciate the phone call, Brandon. I say this all the time, paper, everything can look great, and it doesn't necessarily always translate to the field, and that's why Mm -hmm. you want to see what happens in the preseason and the regular season, but I can't overlook the fact, Paul, and I've brought this up time and time again, when I look at the Vikings personnel and then I look at the Giants personnel, to me, they're almost mirror images of one another. I'm not talking about talent. I'm talking about just the roles, what he was working with in Minnesota yeah. with two established wide receivers in Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, a young running back in Dalvin Cook. You got Beckham and Shepard, Barkley, the offensive line. Two free agents were brought in. Pat Elfline, the center, was drafted. Okay, Nate Solder, Patrick Omame, Will mm-hmm. Hernandez. Mm-hmm. I, I just see a lot a tight of similarities. End who works in the tight passing end, game. Kyle Rudolph, Evan Ingram. So, you know, that to me bodes very well for the Giants. If Shermer had success with that group and you figure, all right, well, part of the rationale and then putting the roster together like this was because of what happened in Minnesota, you hope that that translates over. Yeah, you would think a lot of the styles and philosophies, if nothing else, would allow him to bring it here. And, and they should, they should at the very least be good. Very good, excellent, dominant, I don't know. But this should be a a good offense, at the very least, unless a particular unit in the trenches decides that, you know, they're not going to get it done. I mean, short of that, if the offensive line is just adequate, this should be a a very solid, very good offense, at the very least. Let's head back to the phone lines. T is in Maryland. T, what's happening? Hi. What's going on, guys? Lance, hey, Paulie, I was up there, brought my son, and I missed you, man. I'm sorry. I, I'm here all the time. I know. I, I got a chance to um, walk around, and I got Charles Way's autograph, and nice. he got a chance to um, take a picture with Charles Way and cool. Sean Williams. So it was a pretty good day. And I, I can say this. I was talking about the um, – thinking about the offense. You know, um, almost just piggybacking on what you said, Lance, because my brother and I were conversing about the same thing. You know, in Minnesota, he didn't, they didn't do a drastic, you know, rebuild. They just did a fine-tune, a little overhaul. So they can do the same thing with this, you know, with, um, with what we got here. Like you said, they drafted Hernandez, bought in two free agents, drafted. Because last year, remember, Cook was a rookie yeah. as well. And so I'm thinking, you know, it doesn't have to be super like this lights out, you know, um, fastest show on turf offense, but anything would be an improvement over what happened last year. It's and hard I'm to actually, believe. Actually working on think counting on that to happen. Yeah, it's hard to believe with the the guys on paper 
on this offense, and I know we keep talking about last season. We thought during the summer this was going to be a phenomenal offense, and then look what happened to it. It's hard to believe, based on the improvements they made, that the Giants won't have at least a top 10 offense, right? I mean, that's fair, isn't it? Yeah, no, that's, that's Paul. At that, least. That is absolutely fair. And I honestly think that, you know, the the stats that everyone is hoping, because, you know, even last week you and I were talking about, you know, Odell's stats and everything went on with John. But the amount of guys that they have that's going to free up, and, and I'm not even putting the whole Saquon Barkley phenomenon into the equation. Just the fact of having a, an established running game that can consistently get you three to five yards, that right there is going to make a big difference. Well, I'll tell you what, my friend, one of the one of the things that has to be done, and this isn't necessarily on the offense, because there will be times with the schedule that the Giants are facing where they're not going to be able to score as many touchdowns as they want. They darn well better convert on those three-point field goals. I have to be yeah. honest with you. I like Aldrich Rosas as a person. I think he's got a lot of talent. But he needs to be up to speed because there are going to be times, I'm telling you right now, just like two years ago when the Giants won double digits and they went to the playoffs and they won a bunch of very close games, missed field goals could do a lot to derail this team. They're going to need to cash in on points and not just get touchdowns in the red zone, but there are going to be times they're going to be stopped at the 30-yard line, the 28-yard line. They're not quite in the red zone got to be able to hit that 45-yard field goal consistently. going to be big. No, you're right. Because think about it. In the first Eagles game, had um, that had that field goal not been missed, I, that would have been a win yep. in my book. I honestly think so. Well, <laughs> again, the Philly and Tampa games, the back-to-back last-second field goals by the opposition, that, that in retrospect, there's no question that flushed the season. Well, and then on the flip side, though, in the Eagles game that you referenced, remember, Jake Elliott, who's a rookie, 62 yards. comes in and delivers for the Eagles. And that's or was the it difference. three? Was it 63 or 62? I think it was 61. 61? No? It was I over it was, 60. Yeah, it was over 60. But, <laughs> oh. but the reason I bring that up is there's somebody who wasn't necessarily put in that position prior and came through after, by Ooh. the way, they lost their established kicker in Caleb Sturgis because he went down. That's right. So the, the point that I'm bringing up is – it just goes to show you have depth. You have guys that can deliver and step in in the in the event somebody goes down. That's the sign of a very strong team, and yeah. that's what the Giants want to have. Yeah. Hey, you guys have a good one, and um, hopefully I'll catch you guys before the season starts. If not, I'll be there doing the season for all Sounds good. Good team. stuff, you man. Got it. Appreciate the Take phone. Take care. Right. Thanks so much for weighing in. Very busy. We are show done on the phone lines today. We certainly appreciate everybody for weighing in. I can tell everybody's amped up. And excited about the game. T-minus five hours to yes. kick off. I can tell. Paul Dettino wishes <laughs> that we're five minutes away from kickoff. All right, real quickly before we wrap up. Yeah, go. Fans in the local market can watch the game live for free by visiting Giants.com at kickoff 7 p.m. Eastern. Those outside of the local market, the game is going to be on NFL Network, so you're covered there. In terms of our radio broadcast, we're going to have our pregame show start at 6.05 p.m. Eastern on WCBS 880 a.m., and then we will have a full postgame show for an hour immediately following the game on the same channel, WCBS 880 a.m. Locally on TV on WNBC Channel 4, yep. nationally on television on NFL Network. So there it is. Your covered TV and radio. Big Blue Kickoff Live on tomorrow again, 1 p.m. Eastern, to recap all the festivities. And we'll be back up and running again on Monday with another full week of coverage. By the way, even with the team in Detroit, we are going to have BBKL every single day from our studios all next week covering the team and providing the latest. So stay tuned for that. For Paul Dettino, I'm Lance Meadow. Enjoy the game tonight.
And stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest. Have a good one.